Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Three Three Fights podcast. Podcast and jump basically in the decentralized world, and where we also talk to some of the brilliant minds in the industry. On today's episode, we are staring off first with the marketing and moving into the more technical side of it. I mean, there will be no web three basically if there are not people working tirelessly behind what the technical side of the thing. And today on the show, I have a kid who has worked extensively in the web pre software engineer at a tech group with years of experience working major web to our web three companies and is currently that of Nalike Studio, a web three development studio. And at Nalike, they are really doing awesome work and have built super cool stuff. I mean, they've served over 100 plus customers and counting created over 150 products and generated over 10 million plus in revenue. How cool is that? Oh, I should also mention that their clients include Binance, Bugatti Group, Upland, and a host of others. And so, ladies and gentlemen, finally got into the drum roll part, where I will be with the name of my guest. Please help me welcome Talha to the World Free by Podcast Show. Hi, Talha. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here today. Oh, hi. Thank you for help. Really excited. Yeah, so um, do you mind giving our listeners a quick background of yourself and how your journey will be started? Yeah, sure. So you want my entire entrepreneurial journey or just the web creature? Well, if you can indulge us, like know your career journey and your web creatures. Sure, sure. Uh, so I've been an entrepreneur all my life, give up before I did the meaning of the word entrepreneur. Uh, since I was 16, I was always into setting things, building things, and all that kind of stuff. So I decided for myself that I did not want to call the traditional bot and always wanted to do things that were, you know, like the sun effect, like make my mom fall. So since I was in university, I kind of started different side businesses uh, with which I was able to acquire a lot of different skills at my, um, let me do both my first company, which was a entrepreneur images at back in the day. So that's where I got my would start and then in university uh, I was saying software engineering and they applied the safest party to gap where I was uh, finding clients online and at first and building software things so I was like I've been doing a lot of things before I even graduated from university uh, in 2021 so so I started this company with my friends and shit old where we basically built software right so it wasn't specifically web free cool because it was just general software like one application with the application so we had the text but in 2021 now sitting with all my friends and we're like discussing guys what's the next big thing what we should do and they were like there's certainly all the nfts that we should look into right and i was not a crazy moment. but the, as soon as he said that these pictures right of monkeys or apes are worth millions of dollars they had my attention so I was curious that like, why would someone buy an image online for millions of dollars? So that's how I got my first introduction to about and these are the blockchain space. I went home and I started studying about it. I but and as you say in Leave Through when I went down the rabbit hole and I found out that there's a lot of things. So immediately we launched a project uh, which was a play to earn game with which uh, you can access uh, there's you know that so you can actually can access the game. That did really well. 
but we faced two problems. Uh, one problem and one opportunity. The problem was that there weren't enough developers out there or there weren't enough resources out there with which we can use to, you know, build things. All we had to do is basically learn it ourselves. So that's how we solved that problem. We had to learn the blockchain development ourselves. Uh, but the opportunity was that basically people in our surrounding you know, in the friends group and online, they were starting to come into us to, you know, inquire for help. Guys, can you help us build this? Can you help us do that? We're like, sure, if you're paying us, we'll keep doing that. So he found out that people were not interested in the product that we were building or more interested in the services that we provided. So that's where, and again, there weren't enough good developers in the space or, or let's say development agencies that sort of helped uh, laymen or you know, uneducated, like people who aren't that technical get into the space. Although there are a lot of technical people in the space, but they can't communicate with uh, people who are not familiar. So that's where we found our product market fit, where we, we are like developers who are really good at communication. That's where we started the studio and it's been one year we have worked with all those clients that you talked about and we're great ever since. Wow, that was that was quite the experience. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, your journey is just like so many robots that found ourselves in the web three space. Most of us, we just found ourselves in web three by accident. Some by goodness. Well, in my case, it was real curiosity, and I did not being curious and being an uh, enjoyable experience. Thank you for sharing that with us, there. And so let's just uh, go to the topic of today. So today we are going to talk about Friday C acted heredity in Word3. I mean, Web3 is in early stages. And I think I speak for the majority of us when I say there hasn't been a mainstream adoption of Web3 yet. There's still, there's still a lot of misconceptions about what Web3 is, like what's to do, what exactly is it about, yeah, questions about privacy, that data, security, and the likes. So, which brings me to my first question of the day to you. So, how does Web3 technology ensure privacy for its users while maintaining transparency on the blockchain? Uh, that's a really good question to start off with. Uh, so, there are a couple of ways uh, how Web3 does that. Because what you need to understand is that Web3 is an umbrella term for a lot of different technologies that include its the blocks of the ecology with on which you have two applications, crypto and data so on. So Web3 is an umbrella term. So Web3 in itself doesn't ensure privacy, but the technologies that fall within Web3 does that. I mean, mainly it's basically blockchain. Then talk about the three main things how Web3 does that. So the first one is to encryption. Second is decentralization. And third is you know, real hard So by encryption then is that when you as a user Right, provide data to any of these applications, Facebook, Google, that is. They encrypt it and then they store it on their servers or computers. But the thing is, even though it's an, an, an encrypted form, these companies or these providers, they can still access to it, right? But what happens in the Web3 is you own your data, right? So you would so the ideas of your wallets, right? You have a public key and a private. So you, your, your wallet, we can only access your wallet if you have to grab it. So in Web3, when you store your data on any of these applications, it can only be accessed with your private key, right? So that's the first bit. If the Web2 will be added encryption, right? But that encryption could, you know, add, those companies would decrypt and access your data. But in this case, 
your data is encrypted and it can only be accessed with your private. So that's with, uh, and again, it's encrypted cryptography and can only be decrypted with uh, your private. So that's the first thing. The second is decentralization, right? So normally, probably whenever any application has data and stored in a central location, or it's a developed by Google, Amazon, or any of the cloud providers or any of the data is at one place, right? When data is at one place, it means that it's more vulnerable. Any one party can uh, change it. Even that is very rare, but that's possible, right? But in the case of blockchain, data is decentralized, it's stored across under the devices, uh, multiple of the devices that are all around the world. So it becomes very difficult, even though someone wants to access something's data or manipulate it. And lastly, it's uh, zero knowledge proof, which I think. It's a whole topic in itself, which we can discuss later. So that's mainly uh, three things how you know, create ensures privacy. Well, I'm sure if anyone who's listening to this, I hope that you calm them down because I've had people ask me a you lot, know, like they're curious about, okay, what exactly is this button that you guys always hike in the bar and always talking about? How exactly is it going to protect us? How exactly is it going to protect? How is that is it going to give us privacy? And I told them, yeah, on Web2, Web2 doesn't ensure loads of privacy like that, right? But then we Web3, privacy, use that data, everything, and then they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure that <laughs> when they listen to this and then they they understand how you've explained it, I think they will understand better how about like, yeah. what happened, right? <laughs> what I'll be trying to say, yeah, my language, yo, with his names. So thank, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, and... I just, I just want to add on top of my friends. The whole reason the space started, right? If you trace back, this whole space did not started when Bitcoin came. It had, there's something called the cypherpunk movement. So there are people who have been working since the, since the 90s on this technology. And the whole purpose was that we do not need to rely more someone, right? A central authority or a middleman or any institution, right? And because again, with uh, with when, when these institutions or these men get involved, the privacy is compromised. So the whole purpose of the space is security and privacy. If if you understand it, deeply. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't want to turn off twice to explain something. No, no, I I, I was at yes. Both. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks for the additional insights or should I say additional information? Thank you. Alright, so um let me move on to the second question. So I wanna ask that okay. What are some of the main security challenges in decentralized applications and how can they be addressed? Yeah, so first of all, uh could you like quick scale where the apps, right? Decentralized apps yeah. are just like web apps or mobile apps. It's simple. Everyone knows about that. But any Adbiler application that has its business project mainly on the blockchain is considered the app. So it's, it's nothing new. It's uh, because people get confused that the apps are something different. Oh, it's not that. If 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 some part of the application is interacting with a smart contract, it means that is it is a D app, right? So a D app has all those security challenges at the moment. The app, the application app. So it can be basically fake source or DDoS attack where people would send cake dropping to your site, routine automated down, or try exposing the different So, like uh, all those uh, challenges that uh, have normal app, the application, the application would have, DFs will have. 
But if we talk about specifically the apps, the, which which is straight into smart contract, so it's basically uh, the smart contract vulnerabilities, right? Where in some cases the smart contract isn't built in the right way. People can exploit smart contract. Right? We have many examples for in a few projects is that uh, certainly when you are participating in an energy drop, we're basically going to admit by the side you're connecting the wallet and we'll mine that. That's how most people buy an NFT or participate in But some people who are the bad actors try to go directly in the smart contract and try to apply from there. So that's it. And again, if the smart contract isn't built in the micro, that's one uh, security challenge. The second is with the patrols of the right? Was and most smart, a lot of smart contract use cases have to deal with money, where the mint proceeds from the drop or any other uh, thing is stored in the smart contract. So if that is secure enough, uh, you know, these decentralized applications could uh, lose their rate. So, like, so, so the majority of the security challenges are around the smart contract vulnerabilities is that if the smart contract hasn't been built in the light rate, then it can cause a lot of problems. But that's what we do at Nalaixu is that's what we've been offering is that we build smart contract. So we ensure that we build in, in, in a secure and robust stream and we help our to the third to make sure that it does not affect the business for which we are living. Uh, oh, great, great, great. So um, speaking of smart contracts, I would just like to ask that, what are some of the potential risks and vulnerabilities associated with smart contracts? And how can developers mitigate them? Yeah, so so uh, I, I think my CQ would argue the best person to answer this. Uh, the first time he, he needed is someone for we write writes all the one hand. And one thing you know, we, being with him, I've learned is that try to keep things simple, right? Uh, what people heard most developers try to do with uh, the type of over obligations they try to own if they're cool, which causes. I'll give you an example. So normally, it also be smart contracts, uh, as I mentioned, with, and then in the case of the drop, the, the funds of the mint are stored there, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, it, it has to be withdrawn. It's very simple withdraw function, and we have to call. Uh, there was this one very great example, I don't remember the name, where uh, like more than ten million dollars of funds were locked in a smart contract just because the developer uh, tried to be, you know, over smart, we try to make it very complicated to withdraw them, right? With just one small problem from a developer, billions of dollars were stuck in a smart contract that will be access. So, uh, so yeah, the first advice for the developer is case try to keep things simple, right? Because the problem with smart contract, normally if you write a code, you can go back and change it. But once a smart contract, once you write the code for a smart contract, just deploy that blockchain, there's no way there is a way, but it's very difficult for you to go back and cheese. So, uh, so the risks are also related to uh, people exploiting your contract. On second is with the security of the funds. Uh, so this can be avoided basically by uh, meter. keeping things simple, stress testing authority, uh, and yeah, these are two things out. Pro. Yeah. Um. Because one thing I've actually noticed with Web3 is that it's like if you do something, it's more or less like it's set in stone. It's very difficult to just go back and try to undo things and try to go back and do a lot of correction. Like, already done something and then you want to go back and redo it all the way again. So, yeah, I think it also applies to 
because I'm talking from a marketing point of view, I think it also applies to uh, a technical aspect of it, which you just explained now, right? It's entirely when it comes to um, smart contracts and, and the rest. So, uh, I w- yep, and then again, you know, it, it, because there are a lot of resources available out there for developers, right? So you don't have to be that developers are not to be and to be. They can, there are a lot of talk. A lot of good documentations out there, a lot of GitHub repos out there, which developers can look into and take inspiration off for the code. And so, and also there we have ChatGPT, which basically makes it meeting suffer to write code or to you know find bugs in you. I have, I have, well, that's right. So, um, I would like to ask. So now this question is like a comparison between traditional and Web three. So my question is. How do decentralized identity solutions work in Web3? And what are the advantages of our traditional identity system? Yeah. So again, going back to the uh, first point is that all never did normally today's world, whenever anything is stored, we don't all never did them. These companies or organizations folk over it was a solutions for their own the data. But it's reverse and where we be stored on our data. And he held the code before auth data. Again, as going back, right? So let's say if you have your wallet and you have like hundred dollars stored there, no one can access it without you, right? I'm pretty sure you have used the MetaMask wallet. And in MetaMask mm-hmm. wallet, you have a private key with which you can access your, right? So it means mm-hmm. that you sort of own your data. So you sort of own your identity as well. But in another way, when you store money in the back, you can access it, but the bank can also access it. So that's, that's what we by decentralized identity solution is that, and again, it ties to zero knowledge proof is that you can, so again, uh, I'll take some time to explain zero knowledge proof, but, which will make this really simple. So are you familiar with the fine wallet of Buzzer? Uh, Sorry, I didn't get that. So there is this Buzzer uh, called fine wallet, which means that, okay, there's this, uh, art piece where there's a lot of uh characters called waldo right and there are hundreds of them okay uh and they're just just in a way if you can just look it up called them fighting waldo because so they're like same characters with similar clothing and similar styles and they're all sort of merged together right and then if i tell you find me this particular type of waldo okay now you have to tell me that you have found that waldo without telling me the exact location of that wallet, how would you do it? Right? So so the way you would do it, basically, you would paint the entire painting black, right? And just show me the, the exact spot where you have found that wallet. In this way, I would be able to verify that you have basically found the bundle without revealing the location of the wallet. So that means your knowledge, in which you prove something to me without showing me uh about a party right so let's say if i want to verify that you are 18 years old normally how would you do it you would show me your id but the thing is as as you show me your id all good identity would be revealed but what happens in the blockchain case is that you tell the uh smart contract you're 18 years old and the smart contract tells me that she's 18 years old without even showing me the id card so that's like that's very general example which means that i can verify things without you can you can prove things to me without showing me things, because mm-hmm. please we we bring the smart contract as uh, as code, 
whom we can trust, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make a whole lot of sense. With like, I'm sure you think about not giving it all away. Sorry? I said, like, I'm showing you things, I'm telling you things, but I'm not giving it all away. There's still, uh, there's still an air of secrecy around it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So you are proving to me about a particular thing without even sharing the entire information with me. And well, I mean, I mean, they web three. Each time I have guests on the podcast, and they tell me fascinating things. Just oh, web three, web three, web three. But that's just the website. That's all I can say. Because you keep learning new things, you keep learning new things, you keep learning new things. Now you're going to save me down the rabbit hole of diamonds, that finding world truth and everything. I have my workout out for me today. So thank, thank, thanks for mentioning that. Thank you. Also, our as yeah, you um, at likes to debate. You work on a bit of project. I yep. work on different project. So can you provide examples of six? That's for privacy focused project or protocols in a weapon space that if you've worked on before or you're currently working on. What exactly what make them stand out? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So in every case we uh, you know whatever solution that we get are secure, uh, but uh if they aren't basically privacy focused. So if you're asking me about the projects that we have done, I can talk about them, but if we're talking about the successful privacy focus, specifically, yeah, specifically in the Web3 space, there is Zcash, which is basically uh, utilizes zero knowledge proof for transaction privacy, which means that, let's say, if I send you $10 on Ethereum, right, uh, on the Ethereum network, uh, anyone can verify that Telha sent all of VC uh, $10, right? And they can come and check uh, my wallet, they can check my transaction history, they can check your wallet, your transactions. But what Zcash does is that basically, it sort of uh, changes this where I can send you money, but no one else can be will be able to see the transactions that I have sent you, or they'll be able. So it's like anonymous uh, transactions. That's a very good example of you know privacy focused projects. And then we have an, a Monero as well, which basically employs direct signatures and stealth addresses. So like these are two projects which I think are successful privacy focused projects. Yeah, Zcash and Monero, like th these are very famous products. And. That, that's great. And I'm sure you had, you had lots of fun working on that. Sorry? Uh, I was I over here. you had fun working on the further. Exactly. So we haven't worked on Zcash and Monero. They're like, we started with very big projects. But we do have work on different projects, as you mentioned initially. And yep, we we, we ensure that privacy is our main priority. I know. As a shipping. So, um... Uh, when asked in this or I mean, for one of the major questions I ask my guests, uh, so what are some of the legal and ethical considerations surrounding privacy in Web3, especially because Web3 is big on, um, data ownership, Web3 is big on, um, user, user, should I say user-centric or user-focused? So what are some of the ethical considerations surrounding privacy in the website, especially when it comes to personal data ownership and consent. So that's a very tricky question. Uh, I think we're too early to answer this because even today, if you see a lot of people don't even know about basic technologies, right? And they want someone to add with their data, right? 
because people are not tech savvy, you know, uh, and especially older people or, or less tech savvy people all scan to a lot of different stands. So, so, that, so like that's first step, right? Is that every business in there, the education is here. People still fall scam. If people still fall with them, so a lot of stuff. Now, mm-hmm. uh, when Web3, we are saying we need to let people on our own data, lead out the consent. The legal implication, ethical is that basically, uh, you know, people should know that we are owning our data. But those of them don't even know about that thing, which means that, I'll give you an example. Let's say when you use WhatsApp, you don't care about what technologies are being used. All you care about is your message being sent with more case one. So again, with blockchain technology, as we've been sent to a stage where we're using these applications, where underneath they're utilizing the blockchain technology, but you wouldn't know that you're using it. So the whole point of this example is that then, but we should double on it and take consideration of the technology becomes mature enough to have this debate. I think it's so immature at the moment that this we, we shouldn't uh, have this uh, debate. But the legal and ethical concern is that when developers build our building application, when companies are building applications, and when when they ask people for permissions, they should make it as simple as possible so so they know what they're signing, right? So when you connect your wallet to any of the decided application, you will see that LMS asks you for some approval, right? And mm-hmm. you just click, you click sign. But most of the time, it can happen that MetaMask or any of the application is asking to access to your funds, right? Which a normal user wouldn't know and they would, their funds would be withdrawn or they would be falling into a scam. So the legal and ethical consideration is that that the warnings, right, uh, for, for the warnings or when, whenever a user is interacting with these applications, those things should be kept simple so a normal person can understand what they are opting in for, right, in that basis. Um, uh... That's that's actually awesome. <laughs> I mean, I wish entrepreneurs go on at Earth giving me answers to this particular question. But yeah, please do so too. Thank you. Uh, I, I I think you have chosen really hard questions. Uh, but it's <laughs> it, it's good. It, it it's it's like an exercise for because I wasn't expecting these hard questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I also want to learn. I mean my, my niche is a marketing focus, so this is an opportunity for you access technical questions I've been wanting to and I'm sure host uh, my class too would love to know about so yeah uh we are not sorry on behalf of my listeners we are not sorry does want to learn okay <laughs> hey. uh okay so uh, my... but, but, but I think what did happen when he was meaning and scared of it to you it's that topic and I'd rather stay away from it right no, so that's not the case the case is that although technology is quite complex but it's for the betterment is for the betterment for all of us. So not everyone needs to understand. Uh, developers or some you know, smart people can understand and build solutions that are very simple to use for the majority of people. And that's what you know many people are doing. That's uh, us at the likes that you're doing. We understand that the technology is really complex. So pe- and so we shouldn't you know uh, the majority of people shouldn't spend their time understanding this. Uh, developers or people who understand it should build applications or solutions that are simple to use like WhatsApp or, you know, which underneath are using all this technology. That's when we'll get mass adoption and that's when you will actually see a lot of things happen. Yeah. 
Right. So, uh, thanks for that. So I would like to ask again, I promise this is not uh, difficult. It's not hard. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm just curious, right? I mean, we already asked you, uh, um, what I'd be ethical configuration surrounding privacy in Web3. So now I just want to ask that, okay, how can users, I as a user, or that would be users, how can they protect their digital assets? and maintain security in the Web3 ecosystem. Like, are there any best practices or are there any recommended tools that we Web3 users can use to maintain, uh, to protect our assets? Yeah, definitely. So I think we covered uh, a lot of points that can answer these questions, but I'll go over them again. The first one is uh, the private keys, right? So whenever you are, because anything that you do in the Web3 world has to be related to your wallet. So you need to understand uh, what's the difference between a decentralized uh, solution and a centralized solution? So let's say, for example, in MetaMask, it's a decentralized drop, which means that you only have access to a crowd. But in the case of exchanges like Binance or Coinbase or all these exchanges, they sort of have your private keys as well, which means that they can access to a play uh, whenever it needed. Right? So that's the first thing. You need to understand the difference between decentralized and decentralized. Right? So once you do that, you need to have take care of the private very seriously. So in case of MetaMask, whenever someone with a MetaMask wallet, they store a unique string or a certain numbers of characters, which basically can give access. So that, that must be uh, kept safe somewhere, right? Most people, what they do, they save it in their drives, they save it on their computer. Uh, that's not the best practice. The best practice that I follow is basically I write, that, write it down on a piece of paper and then store it somewhere, right? So just to make sure that uh, no one has access to my what. Then if you have a really, you know, a large amount of uh, crypto or very expensive assets, then it's best to look into ledgers, right? So so that's the first thing. You need to ensure, uh, protect your assets, right? Crypto or NFTs or whatever. The second thing is before interact, because normally uh, uh, whenever you're interacting with any sort of Web3 applications, they will ask you to sign a lot of transactions, right? They will say, Can connect wallet and sign a transaction. So before signing transactions, you need to ensure what you are signing to, because most of the time, some, uh, you know, it will be written that, that you know, this application wants to connect to your wallet just to see your balance, right? But in the back end, it might even get access to your funds. So therefore, there are a lot of uh, web extensions. One of them is Fire, uh, F-I-R-E which you can use basically to simulate transactions, right? When I say simulate transaction, which basically means, so let's say if I'm buying an NFT, instead of buying the NFT, I will run that extension and that extension would show me what would happen if I buy this NFT? What, is there any danger, right? And once that goes through, that I can do the actual transaction, right? So you get what I'm saying? This extension helps perform the transaction without actually performing the transaction, just so you know what would happen with, with this transaction, right? So, so, so that's the sec second thing is you can use all these tools out there. Uh, and lastly, if you might have seen with Discord and Twitter, there are a lot of scams going on. So, and, and, and what these guys do, these hackers or these scammers, they use social engineering, right? And, and I think, you know, us being developers, we also got scammed recently. So, uh, and that's a really good example that people can learn from, which was uh, someone reached out to us that guys can you build for us our three game and let's show we can build it for you why not and he was really paying a very good amount so we wouldn't we did not even thought that this could be a scam so that guy basically sent us a link for a game 
uh, and said, just download it and, and see what happens. We downloaded that game. And as soon as my friend uh, downloaded that game on the computer, all his wallets were trained. He had a lot of crypto, a lot of NFTs stored in that one. So even us technical guys got scammed by someone. So wow. it's so so and, that, and so, so there are a lot of these social engineering going on in the free space. So you need to protect yourself. Me do make sure you don't click any links or don't get involved in anything you don't understand, right? So yeah, uh, again, make sure you have your wallets private key stored in a good location. Use all these tools out there that basically uh, help, help help you save your assets. And lastly, make sure you don't click on any links. And stuff like that. And last, just keep educating yourself. You are going to be in this space. But what happened with time, uh, these things would come down, right? But again, we should always be aware. Wow. I mean, yeah, there's actually quite a number of scams in the web space. And I remember when I just started, and then some guy was, he came with a job offer on a Telegram channel. And the next thing he was asking me was, um, can you send me your wallet address? So it's kind of like, okay, I mean, we're still talking about the job requirements and whatnot. And they're asking me for my wallet address. It just kind of get the red flag that I don't understand. I don't even have a contract yet. Oh, it's contract or something asking me for my wallet. So, so, I mean, the other people that would have fallen into that kind of scam and yeah, it's just really scary out there for, I hope, um, I'm not saying scam is going to be over soon because it's going to be scam has always been a part of everything, even in the workplace space. But I hope that as we um gets more um as it gets more as it gets more developed, sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. There will be more um tools in place to be able to um combat combat the, the scamming and, and everything. And I'm sorry about what happened to your friend. All right, it's 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 fine. It, it's a lesson, right? That even developers can get scammed. Oh wow! So, so um, we are slowly getting to the end of the show today, and I'll ask you my final my final question for today, which is a question I like to ask all my guests. So, um, looking ahead, what are your predictions for the future of Web three and its potential to revolutionize the industry? So again, going back to the example that I gave you previously is that. When you, are you familiar with WhatsApp, right? Have you used WhatsApp? Yeah, yes. Exactly. So, when you, obviously, when you use WhatsApp and you send your friend a message, what do you care about most? Your message being sent, one device to another, that's it, right? You don't care about uh, what technology was used to build uh, WhatsApp, what protocols are being used, or you know, what internet users are they doing, uh, using to send your message. All you as a pen consumer just cares about is basically your message being sent from one place to another, right? All you care about is your problem. In a similar way, in the coming years, what would happen? Again, what I what I look forward to is basically developers or companies building solutions, right? That are leveraging blockchain technology, but are very, very simple to use for everyday people, right? Mm -hmm. Then only will have mass adoption. Because right now, it's very difficult for an average user to get with this space, right? So I, I was giving a session yesterday where I was telling artists uh, in Bahrain about NFTs. And it was very difficult for them to, you know, just create an NFT, right? So uh, so the whole point is that we are very, very early. A lot of work needs to be done, which will mm -hmm. be done by us and other companies 
that would basically solve the problems of people. And then we would see, uh, you know, a chat GPT moment for Web3. Are you familiar with chat GPT? Oh, yes, I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so chat GPT is not something new, right? AI has existed for several years. What ChatGPT can do, uh, you know, there were AI artificial intelligence language model already existed. But what uh, what that company did was basically it made it so easy for uh, the average person to use it that it went quiet, right? So again, with Web3 as well, we will have a ChatGPT moment where someone would create an application that is using blockchain technology and that would change everything. So yeah, that's what I look forward to. And we at Unlikes, every day we are building something in Web3. If you might have seen our pages, we, we use the term called Biddle, which means uh, build, uh, build and hold for dear life. It comes from the term portal. So yeah, I'm really excited. I am when I wake up every day, I'm really stopped that I'm working in this space. Although every, 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 every market has its ups and downs, but I think the next time we have enough, it would be really published. Yes. So, th th thanks for sharing your insights and opinion on this last question. I just like to get diverse views of what people think about the future of the and how it's going to change things. Because um, I'm really hyped because I know by the time, let's look at like five years or 10 years from now, Web3 is going to be everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. And then they would have been mainstream adoption, basically. And that is exactly what I'm looking forward to. For more people, I talk to it's more exactly. people. And yeah, what Web3 is all about and, and yeah, basically. So yeah, thanks for sharing your your insight. My my insight was opt uh, my insight was optimistic or pessimistic. <laughs> it, was, it was optimistic. It was Ed. Thank God, thank God. Uh I'm the most optimistic person. Yeah, I wanna say Good. <laughs> Alright, um so and that's a wrap for today's episode of Web3 Big Bites. Uh, thank you so much, so much to like special guests that have shared his insights and expertise on maintaining security and privacy in the Web3 space. Uh, thank you so much, Allah, for joining us. And we hope you all let a lot today. And we hope we'll call you next time to honor us with your presence on the show again. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Welcome. So um, if you have any questions or feedback on today's episode, don't hesitate to reach out to us on our social media platforms. And I'll also be adding Salah's LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn accounts on the episode description. So if you have any questions, I can reach out to him directly. And I'll also be linking to his um, business too. Now, like studio, I'll be sharing their social media profiles in the episode description. So if you have any questions or anything, you can reach out to them or if you want to ask me want to ask me to ask him you can send me a mail to can send a mail to wetsleepingbites at gmail.com so thanks again Anna, for joining us today I thank you to Alice Nass for this we'll be back next week for exciting 10 so be sure to subscribe and